This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey everybody, welcome to Netflix Life, a streaming TV podcast from Fansided. We're your hosts, Cody Schultz and Bryce Allen. It's another eventful month here on Netflix coming up with April, but before we dive into talking about everything that's coming in April, we've reached the end of the first quarter. Um, so I think it'd be fun for us to take a look back and break down what are the best Netflix shows of 2023 so far. I don't think this is going to be a hard task for us. Nah, we're pretty looped in with the uh, best Netflix shows of the year so far. It's crazy like to think back, like, I don't know, it's only been a few months, but we've had some pretty good sized hits, although missing like a Stranger Things Wednesday type of release so far, you know. I mean, we did have Outer Banks, so. <laughs> we did have Outer Banks. We did. I mean, in my heart, that's, I mean, it doesn't get better. However, I, like, I know that Netflix is like, we're we're looking for those big hits every, like, at least once a quarter. I think that there is one show, we'll talk about it in a second, that maybe achieved that status uh, for Q1, moving into Q2 a little bit as well. But, um, so I guess, what's your... Uh, favorite show, best Netflix show of 2023, Cody. What are you going with? I this is a split, so I'm going to start with mm-hmm. the Old Faithful. That there's mm-hmm. you know that's Outer Banks. I, I think it's definitely it was a perfectly positioned one for Netflix. Like getting that in as they're in the first quarter, I think was a really smart move. Um, especially just knowing it wasn't as big of a quarter as we've seen from them in the past. Like there's definitely some big shows and some great shows which we're going to talk about here. But this one, I felt like, was one they really could use. It felt weird getting a season of Outer Banks in February. Like, this is a show I just, I don't know. I I think of it and I think of summer. So I, I'm glad we got it early. But I, I still think it would have been fun to, like, have another summer season. Um, I know season three kind of split the fans, it seems like, a little bit. Some really loved it. Some had mixed, you know, mixed thoughts on it. Some didn't, you know, wasn't their favorite. And that's okay. That's television. You know, you're going to have the variances there. I personally really enjoyed it. I like that they, for those who haven't seen it, spoiler warning, I like that they tied up the overarching story from the first three seasons and then set up the adventure to where we can continue with, we already know season four is coming. It's been renewed and it kind of sets up the new narrative. Cause I think that's a really smart move. I don't know. I was watching season three thinking, how are we going to stretch this out and keep this same treasure hunt going? Like they have to get a win. We have to do something. And I'm really glad that they did that kind of soft reboot of, okay, this storyline's over. Now we're going to jump into a new chapter. Yeah, no, I couldn't say any better. I think that it's sometimes really hard when you have such a, like an exciting premise of like finding the boat, the dad's gone, the treasure hunt from season one to then like stick that landing. If it's not like a self-contained season, anytime like the story stretches two, three, you know, four seasons like we've seen with some of these teen shows it gets harder and harder to like land with as much excitement as you started with or built up to like there were so many shocking moments throughout those first three seasons and it's like how are they going to move on in like the next phase of life because like we've seen with stranger things and a lot of these teen shows like these people are not teens that are the actors they're older and it's really hard to make them look like they're 18 19 years old when they're really in real life 25 to they're over 30 years old so it's i think it's the the perfect time to you know they wrapped it up the way that i think that we all wanted them to i don't know if i even saw them going to you know literally into the jungle like to find the real like back to the like the the original city of gold there but i mean i think it worked and it was an exciting way to end the season um And like you said, like that, that arc that we've kind of seen for three seasons and then to go and kind of like recenter it and be like, okay, like the, they're still treasure hunters at the end of this. Like they got a taste of it. They succeeded. Now they want to do it again with a little bit different terms. Will everyone be as invested this time that you don't have like the family ties? Maybe not, but maybe someone's a descendant of Blackbeard, which we'll talk about over the next couple of years. (laughs) I think, too, you mentioned a good point with, like, the the cast ages. A, making the time jump and doing a little bit, like, aging up the characters works. But I think it also just opens up new storylines because suddenly they are more more young adult instead of, like, the teen angle. Mm-hmm. So you can open things up. Plus, I don't know, I still question how 
these like teens were running around like how they got just fled to another country without passports or anything like that like mm -hmm. yeah but as adult-ish I don't want to call them full adults because we know they're the pogues like it's gonna be <laughs> we know there's still gonna be the drama and like the poor life choices at time like that's what we love about these characters they're flawed but we love them and you know for their flaws and that's what makes them great. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how that shift changes things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we should just start like a betting pool now. Of who's going to be the one that's a descendant of Blackbeard? Yeah, it's got JJ. It's JJ. No, I don't know. I mean, Pope already has a connection. So JJ uh -huh. was who popped in my mind first. Uh, Kiara would be fun. That'd be different. Yeah, that would be fun. It'll yeah, it'll just be interesting to see like how it goes. Um you mentioned another show. You said that you were split. So that was Outer Banks was 1A. What's 1B? I This is a new show, and that's The Night Agent, um, which it just recently premiered. And it was renewed six days after its release, which is, I feel like, unheard of for Netflix shows. Like, yeah. Netflix is very slow to renew things, especially if it's a new show. Like, they are waiting, looking for those numbers, looking for those stats. But it helped that the show had a really, really strong opening weekend, shot up to number one, had the third best debut for a season one show, I believe was the stat. Um, I'm not surprised. I really love this show. It was a fun, just entertaining kind of thrill ride. Um, it hails from the creator of SWAT, which is a show that I enjoy, kind of a procedural crime drama. Um, so I'm not surprised. Like the minute I saw who was who it was from, watched the trailer, I knew I was all in. But You're then hooked. watching the show, <laughs> I was I was hooked. Like they had me at hello, um, and but I really didn't. I I just enjoyed it for what it was. Like it was a fun conspiracy theory. Um, I won't give spoilers because it's very new. But the way they set up the story, I'm very interested to see where they go in season two. Like it has me excited to see what they could do with the story next, um, and to see the characters that we fell in love with from this first season return. But it was just it was just a fun watch. Like I binged it literally in two days, started it on the Friday after it dropped, finished it the Saturday. And I can't remember the last time I enjoyed like a new show the way I enjoyed this one. So I'm really just happy it resonated well with audiences. Yeah. I think um, that was like Wednesday for me. Like I really, I was, wasn't excited about that one suit last year and then watched it. And I was like, okay, I watched this in like two days. Um, but yeah, I was, I watched the night agent too. I watched it to the end. Was it didn't love it as much as you did, but um, yeah, happy for you. And season two, so it's really interesting about this. So it's it's the most watched like opening of a Netflix show so far this year with like almost 170 million hours watched, which is like their metric that they share with the public. Um, more than Ginny and Georgia, which is on the list, more than Outer Banks by like 20 million more than you although that's weird because it had like five episodes and then another five episodes like a month later but still it wasn't that high um i think sean ryan right created it and he said before or, or right around the time that it was released that they hadn't started working on season two because netflix wasn't paying them to like get the writer's room going and so he was like no so i was wondering like if that was why it got such a quick renewal because maybe in other cases where you know Netflix either gets the writer's room going early and starts paying people or they just do it out of like the kindness of their hearts so they can get back to her. I don't know. That's one of the like intricacies of like the streaming stuff that I don't quite understand um, from like an outsider looking in perspective. But six days after like and it's we're still waiting on like Ginny and Georgia, which is like roughly about as big um in terms of opening weekends, like we're still waiting on that season three renewal. I think we all know what's going to happen, but I mean, well done night agent fans and everyone who worked on the show. It's like pretty incredible, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny because even, you know, which I know we've talked about like how I love the show. You weren't as big of a fan and that's <laughs> okay. Like that's the thing. And I, it was funny to me, the actor, the lead actor who plays the night agent, Peter, uh, the actor's name is Gabriel Beso, who's, gradually gaining momentum which is awesome to see but like after the opening weekend like he posted on his instagram and it's like hey it's okay not everyone's going to love this like it's it's art it's a show that's meant to be open to interpretation and that's okay and i think that's the thing with so many shows is people get in i think the headspace of everyone has to love like a show if you love it everyone should love it and it's like Outer not banks. every show is gonna be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
there's that's the exception to the rule of course I'm yeah saying. yeah <laughs> uh, but it is it's one of those things like not everybody has to love a show and it's okay like some people are going to love a show some people are going to hate it we all have different interests and it's just i love it's i was shocked that netflix jumped on the season two renewal so early just because we're used to having to wait like even the lincoln lawyer last year is a good example of mm-hmm. kind of a sleeper hit um which i feel like the night agent definitely qualifies as being a sleeper like it it was getting promotion from netflix like a standard netflix promotion would be but Public it wasn't tweets. like just every kidding. yeah <laughs> Don't hate me, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's their promotion. Usually, is like tweets. We drop the trailer on YouTube. That's usually uh-huh. it, and it didn't really have like a big name actor in its lead. Like it had a relatively unknown. He's you know Gabriel Vaso has been in the industry. He's done stuff, so it's not that he's completely new. But this isn't someone people have seen in like big roles before. Um, so it's just really surprising. But I think what helped it is just the pacing, like. I know when I was watching, like I watched five episodes at a time, watched the first kind of did a two part watch because they end with such good cliffhangers that you like want to continue the story. Um, But it's definitely interesting, too, because Netflix, it's it feels almost a little in the procedural area, but more of like the broader conspiracy government kind of angle. And Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting to see Netflix have so much success with something in that genre I'll be watching to see if they like jump on and try to do more like in that vein now. Yeah, it feels like it. Like there's a couple new releases in the like political sphere or like shows that have been approved that are like, you know, I don't know, not necessarily Lincoln lawyer, but like not that far off of like a person who like the show might also like that kind of show. And I guess that's kind of like what Netflix does. Right. I feel like that like, I don't know, during like the summer of 2018, they went really hard on like, oh, we're going to do like 80 romantic comedies. Like, you know what I mean? And like, I think that they can do that when they like string a lot of these shows together or um, I guess it's good too that they're not going for like, you know, super home runs all of the time. Like it'd be really easy to, you know, be like, oh, Stranger Things is like the to try to do it every quarter every year i mean they are trying i guess but like they have a lot of hits in there that are like the stuff that people will want to keep watching and like oh this show is back they might not necessarily like follow it as closely as we do like tracking the release dates which they already confirmed that the night agent season two is coming 2024 right so um that's good hopefully we don't have to wait a super long time that would be great if they could cut down some of those big gaps because there's a couple other shows that came back recently that kind of I don't know how to put it didn't do super well because of those <laughs> gaps. Should we just talk about those? <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's a fair point to jump off of it is that a, it's really exciting that that is coming back because cutting back on these hiatuses, I think helps a show. Of course, a stranger things you can have five years between <laughs> that show and mm-hmm. people are yeah. still going to be so hyped, but with some of these shows that are building their audience still on followings, it's hard when you put so much space between them. And I think that's what the pick I think we were going to lean into next is shadow and bone, which mm-hmm. took a, a big break between season one and season two. And I think it lost its steam and lost that momentum. And I understand with some of these shows, like it's going to take a little bit more time because of the production level of special effects that go into them. But there seems like there's got to be some kind of workaround for it because the excitement around shadow and bone season two, it was still there. Fans still enjoyed it. But I feel like the hype just wasn't there like we saw in season one. Yeah, I think it's hard to um, I mean, it wasn't like super, super popular. I feel like that it got like a big bump, social media, word of mouth. A lot of people hadn't heard of it. Obviously, you had the book fans of Lee Bardugo's um, like Grisha verse books and the Shadow and Bone trilogy. Um, there's, that's a pretty big fan base. And so a lot of people tuned in and a lot of people watched it. And I think they did a really good job with the first season and how they handled it. Basically, it wasn't a one-to-one match of the first book, but it followed kind of the same arc. Season two, they kind of do a little bit differently. They really combine books two and three of Shadow and Bone, bring the crows in and do a totally different story than what I think a lot of people expect. I think that people thought we were going to do Six of Crows in season two of Shadow and Bone and then not both of the books at the same time. And it kind of, it just, I don't know. I I didn't like it as much. I was still, you know, watched every episode, was by the end very invested, but like the, the pacing just felt a little bit odd. And it was like, maybe they 
you know, biting off a little bit more that you can chew with like plot and story rather than like character development and letting things like breathe a little bit. But I understand like, you know, when you have such a long break between seasons, like you got to turn it up to 11 immediately to get people interested and to really like get them to watch all the way through. And, you know, some of the viewership numbers we've seen with Shadow and Bone, while I still think it's on the list of the best shows we've seen this year, isn't looking good for season three or the Six of Crows spinoff, which they said is kind of tied into the uh, release or like the viewership of season two. So yeah, not great. Uh, interestingly, though, we had similarly had a two-year gap between Ginny and Georgia season one and season two, and that crushed. So maybe it's just the way that it goes. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, God, I didn't even realize that there was like a similar gap between yeah those two, mm-hmm. just because they're not they're two shows that I haven't personally like dove into and have gotten into like the the standing moment like it did with Night Agent. Yeah, uh, but you're right. Ginny and Georgia came back and like it shot to the top of the top 10, had a really opening, you know, really strong opening weekend. Um, the traffic numbers look really well, like really strong for it. It's surprising that it hasn't been renewed, which I never can get a gauge for Netflix, like when they take their time. Like, is it just they're trying to do negotiations? We've seen a lot of times with season two for shows mm-hmm. like this, they'll do the two season pickup. We saw it with Emily in Paris, Never Have I Ever. Both of those got two season pickup after their second season. Um, I feel like they're they're a little. Of course, those are comedies. This one does have like the longer episodes, but in that same vein, I feel like the more yeah, definitely family focused genre. Um, so maybe that's what's delaying it. Is they're working on like a two season deal of some sort? But I, I think it's definitely it's a standout in terms of the genre for sure so far. Like it's really been the only show in that kind of family romance kind of genre that we've seen so far. We know there's some upcoming stuff coming in like quarter two. We've got Exo Kitty. We've got the Queen Charlotte spinoff of Bridgerton or prequel, I should say, not spinoff. Um, so there's things in that like same vein of coverage, but maybe that's what helped it stand out so much is there hadn't been like a show like that that debuted. Um, not that there's really, now that I think about it, I've been a fantasy show, so I can't give that excuse to Shadow and Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I... It's weird, too, because I i mean, I knew the first season of Ginny and Georgia was popular and I watched it and it wasn't like my favorite at all. I kind of was lukewarm on even watching season two, but I did. And it got a lot better, honestly. I think they took a lot of the criticism that they had taken, I guess, got <laughs> in the first season and like changed it up and did some stuff. I think that you might be onto something with the two season pickup because... I don't know why you would wait so long at this point, unless it's like there's something really sticky, like about the negotiations that, you know, a cast member's holding out um, for more money, something like that. I mean, that's just generally what happens. I'm not saying that 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 is happening here, Um, but they do do a lot of stuff. And it's like, if you're going to do like with some of these Netflix shows, when we know already that they don't run a long time, how do they, like where are you going to go like okay you get the season three renewal but like netflix is probably very interested in figuring out like what does this show look like over the you know next two years are they going to film back to back they did that with lock and key you know um maybe that's what they'll do they're just trying to sort out production schedules and try to figure out how they can film two seasons of a show back to back which is very hard to do but definitely possible and it does save a lot of money when you can do something like that so um I don't know. There, there could be a lot of things going on. So let's see. We've got Outer Banks, Shadow and Bone. We've talked about Ginny and Georgia's on the list. Um, the Night Agents, obviously, on the list. We mentioned you, but we didn't talk about it. That's definitely one of the best shows for sure. And one of our favorites. Season four, a little bit of a downer, though. <laughs> I think here's my thing. I, I have in defense of you um, mm-hmm. is I think it was a good season. Like, I think uh, when you look at it collectively, what hurt it is splitting it into two parts because yeah, part definitely. one wasn't as strong as part two. But if it had been released together, you would have had like in past seasons, the slow burn and building towards something else. This season just didn't feel like it was framed from a way that deserved to be split into two parts. Like narratively, it didn't work as two separate parts. It works so much better as a binge watch together. And I think that's where this season suffered um because it still has those things we love like the mystery they even kind of flipped the script a little bit at the you know the start of the season of like who is 
framing Joe. And then there's a big plot twist connected to that storyline that comes in the second part. But I think the plot twists that do come in the second part and the payoff, it's not as strong because there was such a weird, like it was only a month gap, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like you could just binge it on one weekend. And I think that really hurt. I, I'm very, <laughs> I hope that when season five, which we know it's been renewed final season, which it's time. I love this show, but there's only so many ways they can write this story. And yeah. Joe needs to finally like get what's coming to him. Like we can't keep having him skate around, like just going to different cities and killing a bunch of people and then leaving. Um, but I really hope when that season drops next year, cause that's another one that's been confirmed already, I believe for 2024 mm-hmm. that they drop it all at once. I don't want to see a split yeah. season cause it just does not work. It's interesting, too, because I think that it was Penn Badgley who said, I can't remember what outlet he told this to or if it was just on social media, but mentioned that it wasn't meant to be like it wasn't written as like a two parter. Like it wasn't there was no like story build up to episode five that was going to like result in that like one month gap between the seasons. And which is interesting when they've split seasons in the past, like I know. You know, The Ranch was one that was always like these sitcoms that are like 10 episodes here, 10 episodes there, five episodes here, five episodes there, whatever it is, that they know going in that this like this is the like mid-season virtually uh, of episode. Like this is where we're stopping. This is where we're picking the story back up. That what wasn't really the case. They just decided to split it on like a sort of cliffhanger ending about like, oh, what's going to happen? But it wasn't like big enough to be like, I need to see this immediately. I'm tuning in as soon as the, you know, the minute that new episodes are dropped. And like, that just makes me like, I don't know. I just don't know why you would do that. And so I'm really hopeful that, like you said, it's a one, either drop it all at once, schedule it out once a week type of deal, but whatever, give the writing team the opportunity to like pace the season, structure the season that the way that it was meant to. Cause I do think that you're right. If you binge watch the whole season, in 10 episodes which i started doing and then stopped because i got busy with other stuff but it works so much better the the gap between five and six is so much better than having to like oh like this was kind of bad this wasn't like it was very different to than previous seasons and it felt not familiar and then when you get to those last five episodes you're like all right i get it this is you we're back that kind of thing um And so I'm wondering if other seasons would have felt like that too, just sort of disjointed, not really working if you really just split them down the middle, you know? Yeah, because the other thing that's hard with a show like you is each season really does bring in a new cast. You've got usually Mm -hmm. Joe's, for the most part, been the only carryover character. We've seen some other characters like Love, um, you know, crossover into multiple seasons. But for the most part, it's a new group of characters. So you're still getting to know these characters as well. And when you pause and break like right in the middle, like this one did, I'll I'll admit like when I started watching episode six after the month break, I couldn't remember who some of the characters were. Like, yeah, I was like, wait a minute, who's this person's story? What's their dynamic? Like, I had to remind myself and I'm someone who we do this for a living. Like we live and breathe TV. So if I was uh-huh. confused and forgetting these things, like yeah. I can only imagine what the normal casual fan who just watches it because they enjoy the shows where they were at, because I have my notes to fall back on even of like, oh, okay, this was that story. But it just, I think if they want to do a split, they need to give the writers, like you said, they need to prep for it so they can build and make it worth doing a split. But I really, I think the split season was more of a money play for Netflix, not going to lie. I think they just wanted to keep subscribers around knowing if if they drop into two batches, they're going to have to subscribe those two months to watch. And I think it harmed the show. Um, in the end, just because it broke up that momentum it was building, kind of brought it to a screeching, you know, halt with with the the gap there. And but it still, I think, was you know collectively a great season and an enjoyable season, and one of the best shows of twenty twenty three so far. Let's just hope maybe Netflix learns from this mistake when it comes to the final season. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, let's see what else do we got on this list of best shows. Oh, okay, these two tie together. I think that my my favorite show other than Outer Banks that I've seen so far this year on Netflix, Love is Blind. And I've seen a little bit. I, how many episodes have I seen? I'm ahead of the show in real time. Um, but the new episodes drop on March 31st. And then we're getting a couple every week from here on out until the finale in mid-April. But Love is Blind is 
chef's kiss. It doesn't get better than this for reality TV on Netflix. And then they had like the reality Netflix tie in with the perfect match got released. Um, like the competition dating show, sort of like Love Island um, that dropped like around Valentine's Day. And they did weekly releases uh, for that one, too, which I really do like on Netflix for the reality shows, the weekly releases. Do you are you in on those as well? Yeah, I think it's a smart play. Like, and it's not like we're getting mm-hmm. an episode. Like, they're doing batches still, so there's still that yeah. binge angle that Netflix is known for and kind of coined. But it helps keep the momentum going because it's like if they dropped all of them at once, I know I'm a fan of the shows that I that I love. I will binge it in a weekend, and then have to wait a year or longer for another season. Whereas it really allows like the momentum to build, and they do a good job with crafting finale, like not finales, like cliffhangers. Uh, mm-hmm. between the episodes where it's like you want bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then place a five dollar wager on any sport you'll receive 150 dollars in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome and if you think the fun stops there the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store check out daily promotions same game parlays live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Let's see what's coming next. Like, they'll end with a random moment right before a big reveal. And it's like, crap, now I have to wait another week (laughs) to see what happens. And when that week rolls around, I'm jumping in to watch those new episodes because I want to see what happens and the fallout. And I think it's a smart approach. I wish they would do it for some other shows. You know, I, here I am saying this right after I complained about the split season for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there is something like some shows would work on an episodic, like weekly basic, like to space the season out a little bit more. Because I think that's the hard thing with Netflix and where they struggle these days is they have a lot of great shows, but they roll out the full seasons at once. So then it's like their gaps between new shows and new seasons feels a lot longer than a show like broadcast that's airing new episodes weekly that fans get to kind of space out over the course of several weeks and months. And even shows like on premium networks, like house of the dragons and uh, the last of us huge event shows that only had a limited episode. Like we see with Netflix of nine and 10 episodes, but those episodes aired over, a you know, two and a half three, three months. month period yeah mm-hmm. and the engagement stays you build and, and all that and we know there's going to be the long waits like we're used to for netflix but i feel like the investment's there because fans were tuning in weekly so i'd love to see netflix give it a try but i really i i agree with you with the netflix reality releases and love is blind's one i need to catch up on still but perfect match was really fun i've loved yeah it was kind of like their avengers assemble of all the reality <laughs> stars because you too had, hot to handle the circle yeah. exactly they even had some of like the real uh the real estate ones right because wasn't there like uh-huh. uh yeah selling, selling sunset or something some of those yeah. cast members uh-huh. they brought in the full crew yeah it's it is fun when they do that they it's wild like that in the last three to five years that netflix has built its own like reality universe that and it's like continuing you know we're this is not the end by any means i bet we're gonna get perfect match season two Probably not this year, probably in 2025-ish, once they have, like, a few more, like, runs through. But the circle's coming back, I'm pretty sure. Um, I know Love is Blind is renewed for one more season, and they're casting in, like, four other cities. So Love is Blind for the next 10 years, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think it is. it is. It's smart. And I think they've kind of carved out this unique unique audience with their realities. And, it, and it's fun because I think I think they've done a smart job of realizing fans do. There's a lot of crossover of who's watching them. Mm-hmm. So when I've seen other contestants like pop up on one show to the other, it's like, oh, I like them on this show. Now they're on this show. I'm going to watch it just to see what they they do on this show. Like Absolutely. I remember when Chloe, who was a fan favorite on Two Out to Handle, was a contestant on The Circle. Like People who hadn't watched Two Out to Handle went back to watch it because they're like, oh my God, she's hilarious. I need to see what she did on this show. And so it's really a genius play of like getting people in the door of like, hmm, I love this show and this person. 
let me go watch their other reality shows to see what they were from or like just to get more of their you know, kind of contestant almost like what it feels like how the bachelor franchise expanded mm-hmm. to like bachelor pad and bachelor in paradise and all the other for bachelor winter games winter just... winter i was gonna say is it winter games or summer games or something yeah like it's like you build they build these stars out of like giving them screen time and then they go away and the only thing that they're only way they're able to like capitalize on their success is like I don't know, podcasts, I guess, if they're like in the Bachelor universe or whatever. But Netflix is doing it such a smart way. It's like build these people up, you know, give them more platforms. I don't know. I would love to see, you know, do it again. Do Let's do Love is Blind with old contestants. Can we get like a champions season or like a like their second second time going through something like that? That would be fun. I want to see another season of Sexy Beast that pulls together like the cast of Perfect Match and see there like do they under do they pick up that it's like people they like date it and said oh I don't like you because they're under these like random peacock yeah. and like animal mask. Yeah, do it. The love is blind. They can't see each other, so put them in a room and they can talk about <laughs> their reality careers and how they've their lives have changed since then and then see if they want to get together or whatever no i'm i'm in on what netflix is doing there um yeah i i'm very excited to see what happens with the rest of this love is blind season and it it's almost better like the reunion like assuming that there's a reunion i don't know that there is yet it hasn't been confirmed they've done reunions for every season so far but that's where the real magic happens is like this all happened like a year ago and then we get to catch up with the people like in real time with like the after the altars and the reunions and then see what their relationships have either blossomed into or hey, what's the other word? <laughs> completely Stro- fizzled God. out. <laughs> yeah, completely fizzled out. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm interested in. But um, yeah, no, if you're into reality, you got to check out Perfect Match. Got to check out Love is Blind and probably like The Circle to Ought to Handle. Just do the whole do the whole list. Um, I think we met we one more show on our best of list. Yeah, one more, which I think kind of kicked off early January, uh, which is that 90s show. I almost called it that 70s show. It's a spinoff uh, yeah. of that 70s show. But I feel like this one was probably it's looking at our list, like the most notable new comedy um, mm-hmm. or just comedy so far that we've seen of this year. I know there's some new ones coming. We'll have new seasons of some returning favorites, too, as the year goes on. But so far... I feel like this has been like the Netflix's best comedy that we've seen in 2023. Um, and I think it did a good job of blending together the nostalgia of fans coming in just because they wanted to see returning cast members from the, uh, you know, the previous show with also introducing like characters that can carry a new show and like that you're like, Oh, okay. I want to see where these characters go too. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's a fun show for sure. It's not like my favorite favorite, but it definitely like gets the job done for like the nostalgia. And it's something different too. I feel like that, I don't know, it's really hard to like capture some of these like really iconic sitcoms like that 70s show was Full House and the Fuller House debacle. Like I they I don't think that that worked yet. Fuller House was still super popular. Um, But that 90s show does it in a way that I think actually works. And like, obviously it's renewed for season two. They Netflix definitely sees a potential and it really fills a void for a type of like programming that Netflix like really can't seem to figure out. And that's like the um, like multi-cam stuff. I'm pretty sure this is multi-cam. It seems like it's multi-cam. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I think Netflix has had a good track record of doing those. I don't, I don't know what the term is. Like the re revival is that just i guess it's just yeah. a revival if it brings back mm-hmm. old cast members i'm like it's not a reboot yeah. because they do bring right. back but i mean i think that's where they play the nostalgia because that's why we saw so much success with fuller house and it went on for was it five seasons i know at least four four or five seasons a lot of seasons um <laughs> yeah. but it's because it played into the nostalgia it didn't try to be something different like it knew this is what our audience loved in the 90s and these are the fans who are coming because they want to catch up with these characters they they loved and grew up with and they didn't try to reinvent the wheel or do something different. And they played to that key audience. And I think right. that 90 show kind of did the same element of they found a way to bring back the favorite characters, uh, but then also introduce this new crop of characters that can kind of build the story out even more. And uh, like you said, it's already coming back for, we know it's coming back for season two. I don't see that 
show ending anytime soon. Like I could see it easily having a similar run to like Fuller House. Um, and yeah, I think it's a neat kind of niche. I wish they would. It makes me wonder, like, what other shows should they reboot and kind of bring back the old cast and find new ways to spin up? Sister Sisters one, I keep constantly hearing like talks of. Maybe People that'll that be their one next one. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know how like the rights to these things work. Someone's got to write it and the people have to get involved. Who knows if they want to. But yeah, no, I'm with you. Definitely. Netflix has definitely had like a good track record and like reviving stuff that was like popular elsewhere. Arrested Development was like the only real miss, though. I think Gilmore Girls was good. I think Arrested Development, not so much. Um, but yeah, no, a really good start to the year. It's going to be interesting because in April, which we're about to talk about next, not a lot of returning stuff. Like all of those shows other than, let's see, Perfect Match, The Night Agent, That 90s Show. All the other ones we talked about were season two and beyond. So going to have a, a lot of a lot of new stuff coming up. Yeah, April, I think it's going to be their test run because like you said, a lot of season ones in this list. Uh, we've got some good movies too, but yeah, definitely... Definitely a lot of new stuff. So let's, I guess, dive right on in. Here is every Netflix show and movie coming in April 2023. We've got Beef Season 1, Transatlantic Season 1, Florida Man Season 1, Obsession Season 1, The Diplomat Season 1, Indian Matchmaking Season 3, Rough Diamond Season 1, Working Mom Season 7, Firefight Lane Season 2 Part 2, The Nurse Season 1, Sweet Tooth Season 2, King of Collectibles, The Golden Touch, Season 1, Weathering, Chupa, Hunger, Seven Kings Must Die, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Once and Always, and A Tourist's Guide to Love. Uh, now, these, as a reminder, are just the Netflix movies and shows coming in April. There are also some great comedy specials, documentaries, Netflix family editions, and acquired titles coming as well. But yeah, definitely a lot of newcomers this month. There's not like that big returning franchise that you're like, oh, okay. This is what they're betting big on. A lot of season one, season two stuff, which is going to be interesting, I think, for the month. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, Sweet Tooth, that season two, it was kind of popular when it came out in 2021. Another big gap there, almost two years. Firefly Lane, we saw the first part of uh, the series, I think, in December. And then this is the finale. It was supposed to be a June release. And then for some reason... Like Netflix announced it in December, it's coming in June, and then for some reason moved it up, which is interesting. I don't know why that they did that, but I mean, always good to get something earlier. Uh, the one that I'm most excited about, I think, is Seven Kings Must Die, and I guess this kind of checks out, but it's a, it's a movie, but it's basically the sixth season new story of The Last Kingdom. So Uhtred is back. You know, we capped things off with him last year with season five. Um, I won't spoil anything, but there's a lot of, I think a lot of war coming because there's a lot of kings, seven, and they're going to die. Because it's about how like England basically becomes one after, is it Alfred? Can't remember what his name is. The king, the the one king. (laughs) One of the seven kings dies and it starts a war. That's it, Cody. That's my, that's my, but I'm very excited about it. Really big fan of these show, or of that show. And I think that this will probably be the most popular Netflix original movie of the, um, of the month. Cause you have a lot of fans who've been like waiting, you know, a year um, to watch this. Cause since basically since the season, the series ended, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be interesting. Cause we kind of saw that with the, uh luther the fallen son Mm -hmm. and was it march um and so it's it's interesting to see i love that angle like i wish more shows would get the chance to like return for like a movie kind of continuation kind of thing and i love that netflix has become kind of carving out that genre lately with some of those picks um but i agree i think that's gonna probably be the the biggest of the movies um there's a lot of buzz around the mighty morphin power rangers movie just because it brings true bring some like original cast members back, but I don't think it'll do the same numbers. Tourist Guides to Love maybe will stand out just because it's the newest uh, Netflix rom-com. Um, I believe that one stars Rachel Lee Cook. So mm-hmm. you've got a tried and true fan, you know, person of the genre that fans just love. And the trailer dropped recently and it looks like a fun movie. So I think that'll be a good one, but I agree. I think Seven Kings 
must die will be kind of like the standout and probably one of the bigger titles of the month. I think looking at the list, the one that I'm most excited for is Sweet Tooth. No. <laughs> oh, it's like what? <laughs> um, sorry, no shade. That that's the show. I, I'm happy for fans, but that's definitely one. The one that I'm, I'm most excited about is the the Diplomat, um, which stars Carrie Russell, and it's kind of again one of those political, like international. I like. I guess the best way is just the political thrillers. The best, yeah, narrowed down. Thriller. Political um, crisis, yeah, yeah one of those shows. <laughs> it, it follows. It's like amid the an international crisis, a career diplomat juggles her new high profile job as an ambassador to the UK, and her turbulent marriage as a political star. And I think, I mean, we saw Carrie Russell just delivered an amazing. I'm still shocked. I don't believe she ever won an Emmy for The Americans, which is shameful yeah. of the Emmys. Um, she got some nominations, I think, towards the end of the series run, but never got a win, which is just still puzzling to me. But we know she can do, you know, she's amazing in roles that are similar to this genre. So I'm really excited for this one. It feels like it could have potential of like coming right off the night agent heels of delivering another sleeper hit for Netflix on a new new series. Um, especially this genre seems to be gaining a lot of traction from Netflix viewers. And I'm really just excited to see how it does. Anything, anytime Carrie Russell's on the screen and doing a new project, I'm usually interested in checking it out. So the Diplomat probably is my must-see for April. Yeah, I'm with you. That's probably number two on my list, just because of, I mean, love Carrie Russell. Um, the Americans is, like, one of my favorite shows. Really liked Homeland, too. Has some Homeland vibes. Um, it'll be interesting. I hope it doesn't do, I guess, House of Cards, I don't know, was, at, like, beginning Netflix was popular. This has, could be something like that, or, like, you know, if it's a long running series, who knows like where this could go. You start as diplomat and ambassador. Are you going to end up as the president in season six? I don't know. We'll get there. But no, I'm very excited about this one. The other one I think that we should probably mention and what I've heard some good things about is beef um, with Ali Wong and Steven Yun. They uh, it's like a road rage show where it like creates this like tight, like rivalry between two people. And then, just explodes from there as they do revenge on each other. That's what it sounds like, at least. I haven't seen it. I'm very excited about that one, though. Um, but yeah, love Ali Wong. She's great. Always Be My Maybe is one of my favorite Netflix movies that they've done so far. <laughs> yeah, the, I have to say, I, I don't know the title for that one threw me off. Like, I'd yeah. love to have the thought process for it because I, I always, I think that's a key thing with some of these shows is having a good, clear title in a way mm-hmm. that people know, like, what are they going into? Like, if I saw Beef Season 1, I'm like, oh, is this a cooking show? Like, I thought it was this... a, yeah, <laughs> uh, like a meat industry documentary <laughs> on Netflix. Like, that's, there's probably already a beef documentary on Netflix. I don't know. But yeah, no, I agree. It's not exactly like, I don't know. The Diplomat, I know what this is about. Seven Kings Must Die, I, pretty clear what's going to happen. Sweet Tooth is another one. Any food stuff that isn't about food, it makes it challenging. I'm not going to lie. Maybe that's why I I have a thing against Sweet Tooth. Is I remember when it was first announced, I'm like, oh, okay, this will be fun. New baking show, new something to that. And I'm like, what is this dear child? No, nope, dear boy. Dear boy. Dear I boy. have yeah. I have beef with Sweet Tooth. As well. Yeah, there you go. I, I, we're done. We're done with that side of the conversation. Uh <laughs> We have some other notable additions coming in uh, April, though. We've got the original Spider-Man trilogy, the Sam Raimi ones, Tobey Maguire, um, All-American Homecoming Season 2, Better Call Saul Season 6, and then the Bourne trilogy. Uh, That's a pretty good lineup. I think you're going to see all four. Is that four or five? that's four different things but on the popping up on the netflix top 10 dominating when they drop i feel like the spider-man movies the born movies just pencil them in you're gonna see them on the netflix top 10 movies i would think better call saul will rise to number one as well all american does really well on netflix like sleeper pick for one of like the more underrated uh shows coming this month wouldn't you say yeah the, the thing that's interesting with that one is i didn't realize that netflix was getting all american homecoming season two uh, because that's one of those shows that fell outside of that bubble of the Netflix yeah. Warner Brothers deal. And they worked something out last year for season one 
because of the success that All-American had on Netflix. And so it made sense, like, give it a try and get it on there. That way there's that similar audience. Um, But there was no, like, confirmation, like, this is going to be a thing going forward with future seasons of the show. And I think it's a smart thing because the CW is still very much up in the air. Like, they're under new ownership. Everything's changing. Um, I mean, just listen to the CW spiral and you can constantly, you know, our sister podcasts is always having to deal with the ups and downs that is the CW now. <laughs> so I think having that platform in Netflix will help the show in a way of if its viewership numbers are strong, like that'll give the network, I think, a a little bit of a more of a nudge to renew the show because we already know all Americans been renewed for another season, but we don't know if all American homecoming is coming back. And it's fighting for what apparently is going to be a very limited renewal slot. Like there's rumor that CW might only renew like three or less of its existing shows, which is just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so it getting that that spot on Netflix, I think is going to really help the show. And I'm glad it's staying on there. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be a, a one to watch. The Spider-Man trilogy, I think that's another one. I feel like this one's a weird in like the bubble with the rights issues because I feel like it came to a Netflix before left yeah. and then now it's coming back um but that'll definitely I think be a good pick because we're kind of in a superhero lull right now like waiting probably till june for secret invasion guardians comes out in may so i think that kind of gives something for those fans looking for a movie or show that they can binge and dive into kind of tap in that nostalgia a bit um and yeah i'm sure those ones will will take off maybe i'll finally get around to watching spider-man 3 on this after all these years yeah, man, it's it's not one of the good ones. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, I think there's definitely like a larger conversation to be had, like as the streaming wars. You don't hear streaming wars as much as you did five years ago or two years ago, but like, I don't understand. I do, I guess, from a business perspective, but like controlling IP is great. It's amazing. You can do a lot of things, but like we've seen the Netflix bump, like literally save shows, like. All American is one huge Netflix bumps when those seasons drop into when they return on the CW. The ratings usually are pretty high. The Riverdale happened season one to two uh, ratings doubled. Great happened a long time ago with Breaking Bad. I just don't understand if there's like any bubble shows, you know, that like get it out into like an audience that has like a way to watch everything in like a really quick amount of time with no ads. Like it just it almost seems like a no-brainer. I mean, Manifest, we saw what happened with that. That was amazing to see, like, a show that was struggling on broadcast year after year finally gets in front of an audience that, like, really loves it. And, like, obviously, you know, it, it gets an additional, what was it, 20 episodes or something? Mm-hmm. Um, New Amsterdam is one that, like, just popped up on Netflix this year. It's been in, like, the top 10 ever since. It just doesn't make sense why these broadcast networks are, like, would rather control, make all of the money and then get the show canceled rather than roll it out to like a broad audience repeatedly. It just, I I haven't quite figured it out, you know? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, let me point you to a little show called Grey's Anatomy. I mean, that show is still going strong because of Netflix. I mean, the cast and creative team has talked about how they're all here from like younger fans who are like, I binged the show on Netflix and now, you know, I watch it with, my parents or my, you know, different relatives or just their friends, like they discover it and start watching it and are discovering the show that's been on for, it's just got renewed for 20, you know, season 20. And it's continuing to find new fans every year because they're watching it on Netflix. And it's like, that's just the greatest example. I think New Amsterdam, if it had been on Netflix before, like we've seen how Mm -hmm. successful it's been, it could still be going instead of being, you know, it ended with season five. If it had been getting that bump from Netflix, who knows, it could have gone longer because, it really has, look at the CW shows are a perfect example, like you mentioned, of Dynasty and All-American, all these different shows that people are like, why is it getting renewed Like when it's linear ratings on broadcast aren't the strongest? And that's because globally, Netflix is giving it this platform where they're becoming these big hits. And I think some of these studios and networks are backing themselves into a corner by not wanting to, to make deals with their you know rival streamers now and put everything in-house because... A, you're losing that licensing money. Like Netflix is not paying you for the rights to the episodes Mm -hmm. and you're limiting your audience because let's face it, Netflix is still the top dog in streaming and having your show on that service, I think helps it reach a new audience. And 
some networks are definitely using it to the better. Like I said, I don't think Gray's will will leave Netflix anytime soon because ABC recognizes this is what's helping keep our keep our number one show going and giving us these ratings. And I don't know. I think I think it's time some of these other streaming services and networks, you know, wake up a little bit and realize Netflix still has some some power in that aspect. I agree. Hundred percent. We are the Netflix Live podcast too, so we love Netflix. <laughs> Just a little biased, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it totally makes sense to me that like, and I get it too. Like, there's a lot of like high level business decisions going on in like the millions of billions of dollars. But in terms of like, if you want your stuff to be successful, getting it to the largest audience possible and getting paid to, getting money in return <laughs> for that is a good thing. Like we've seen shows saved. Like you said, with Grey's Anatomy, like I know probably 10 people who did not watch Grey's Anatomy, binge watch it on Netflix and now watch it weekly. It doesn't it's like not rocket science, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it really it's it's interesting. So who knows? It's I think we're April is going to be an interesting month. And then I think May is really where we're going to see the the uptick. There's some really great originals. I think that's when we're going to start seeing more acquisitions because seasons are starting to come to an end. So Mm -hmm. I think. Quarter two might start a little bit quieter, but we'll be adding some shows to that list of the best best shows in, of 2023 very soon. Because I think there's a lot of promising titles upcoming and who knows, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what the sleeper hit maybe is for April. Um, maybe it'll end up being beef. Maybe Sweet Tooth will surprise us. Maybe it's something we haven't even worked, talked about, like Indian matchmaking or The Nurse. And I think that's Obsession. the beauty of Netflix. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a, There are truly, there's a lot of season ones and it's going to be, you know, they may all not make it to season two, but I think that we're going to get, you know, at least a handful of these renewed that like, you know, if you're just looking at big sh- like shows that could have a future on Netflix, there's at least five or six that I think that we'll be talking about, you know, next year around this time is when they're coming back for season two and stuff. So a lot of stuff to watch. We'll be back when next month, next month with the list. Yep. Back, back next month. Sorry in advance for, the, the talk we'll have to be doing about Queen Charlotte and the Bridgerton's yeah. Bridgerton prequel. We don't Bridgerton know when season three is coming, but we at least yeah. get this to tie us over. But, we'll and do hey, an if, update too on, if, on Bridgerton season three. Oh yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll milk any Bridgerton content we can get out of that episode. <laughs> but hey, there's a lot of great stuff coming in April. If you're not a fan of anything coming, we gave you seven great shows that have already dropped in 2023 that you can kickstart. Um, and let us know in the comments, like and reply which ones you like most. And Yeah, we'll be back here this time next month. That's all the time we have. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you around.